Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. In 2 Samuel chapter number 11, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. And um, uh, David has now become the king uh, of all of Israel. He's ruling over Israel. And David is now the king of Israel. Look what the Bible said in verse number 1 of chapter number 11. And it came to pass after the year was expired... uh, at the times when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besought Rehoboth. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from off the bed, off his bed, walked upon the roof of the king's house, And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, uh, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, uh, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, uh, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, uh, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, uh, and she returned unto her house." And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah came in unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. And David said unto Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and went not down to his house. And when he had told David, saying, Uriah went not down, and when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Comest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down to thine house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. Now, Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us today. You know the need of the service. And, Father, you know why you've got me at this passage of Scripture today. Um, Lord, I'm just trying my best to be obedient to you. So I pray, God, that you'd take our feeble efforts today. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd bless them. I pray, God, that you'd use us today as we preach. God, may we get understanding from your Word. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd touch the heart of every person that's here. And, God, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory. We'll give you the honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. You know, look into this passage for a little while. Here's what I want to preach to you about with the help of the Lord. Being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Being in the wrong place 
at the wrong time. When we come to 2 Samuel chapter number 11, it's like I've already stated, uh, David is now king uh, over all of Israel. He has now become the king, and, and David has begun to rule and reign uh, over Israel. As we study David's life and begin to look at David's life, uh, we all know that there is something said about David uh, that's not said about anybody else in the Word of God. And here's what it is, that David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man after God's own heart. Nowhere else in the Word of God do we find that said about anybody else. Matter of fact, that's not been recorded about anybody else in the world by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. But David, David was the only man that had that said about his life. That he was a man that was after God's own heart. We know the story of David. We know how David uh, ends up as just a young man uh, killing a lion and a bear in his father's field uh, watching after the sheep. We know how God uh, uh, begins to prosper David and use David uh, and David ends up killing uh, Goliath that day on the battlefield uh, and, and the great victory that David had brought. We know the story about Saul and how Saul turns against David but God ends up putting David on the throne because that's what God had for the life of David. David was a man, if we could say it this way, David was a man, if we want to preach it in our day, we would say that he read his Bible. David went to the church house every time the doors of the church was open. David was faithful to the things of God, of the places of God. David was faithful to everything that God had to offer. But right here in this passage of Scripture today, we find David messing up in a bad, bad way. We find that David ends up bringing Bathsheba in and sleeping with Bathsheba, committing adultery with her. And he not only done that, but David, as we read on through the chapter, brings Uriah in, tries to get Uriah to go sleep with his wife because he wants to cover his sin. And can I remind you of what the Bible said? If I'm not mistaken, it's in the book of Numbers. Uh, and be sure your sins will find you out. David tries to cover that sin, but Uriah won't go into his wife. Uriah won't have nothing to do with her because the ark uh, and Joab, his lord, is on the battlefield. And David ends up making Uriah drunk, uh, and he still won't go in. So David uh, writes a letter to Joab, uh, and tells Joab to have Uriah killed to set him at the forefront of the hottest battle and to have Uriah killed that day. And that's what happens in the life of Uriah. Uriah ends up dying at the hand of David. Now David is a man that loves God. David is a man that's serving God. But David ends up messing up. Matter of fact, if you want a great book to read, get the book and time. A Tale of Three Kings and read that book. I promise you it'll help you in understanding some of this. Even though David will love the Lord, even though David was in fellowship with God, even though David was serving God, David messed up and messed up in a bad way. Can I say something to you today? Just because we're sitting in church today, just because we've got a Bible in our hand today, just because I've got 
got a suit and tie on today. It does not mean that I'm devil proof. It does not mean that the devil won't come out against me. It does not mean that the devil won't try to destroy my home. It does not mean that my children won't rebel and go to the world. The devil is after us. The devil's got one plan for our life and that is to wreck us and to destroy us. You say, preacher, why would you have a marriage workshop? Because the devil wants to ruin our marriages today. That's why. So David finds himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. You say, preacher, how is he in the wrong place at the wrong time? Well, the Bible said this in verse number one, that David was the king. And the Bible said that it was the time that kings went forth to battle. But David tarried still in Jerusalem. David tarried still in Jerusalem. Let me show you two or three things. Number one, this morning I see that David is out of place. David is out of place. David is not where he's supposed to be at. He's out of place today. You say, how's he out of place? Because the Bible just said he's supposed to be on the battlefield. But he wasn't on the battlefield. I've often wondered why was David not on the battlefield. Have you ever thought about that? David is a mighty man of, uh, of valor. Uh, David's killed Goliath, and we know that it was from the Lord. But David is a mighty, mighty, mighty man of battle now. David is the king. Maybe, just maybe now, I understand that David was a man after God's own heart, but he was still human. Just maybe in the mind of David, he thought, you know, I've reached a plateau now that there's some things that I don't have to do. And now that I'm the king, I don't have to go to the battlefield. I'm the king. Maybe pride began to take over in David's life. You remember what the Bible said in the book of Proverbs, that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Hear me and hear me well. We've never reached a place in our life uh, that the devil will not attack us. Maybe pride kept him there that day. Maybe he was just tired. You ever thought about that? Maybe David's just give out. He's now king. He's been trying to do all of his kingly duties and maybe David says, I'm just tired and I'm not going to go. Whatever it may be, David is still out of place because the Bible said he was supposed to be on the battlefield. Have you ever found yourself out of place? Have you ever been in that place in your life where you wouldn't have got into what you got into if you hadn't have been where you was at? Can I get an amen right there? Out of place. David finds himself out of place. I thought about this, man, how many times in our life have we thought, you know, I, I've even thought in the backside of my mind before, you know what, if I just go to this place with that person and do this or do that uh, with that person, I know I'm not going to drink any beer. I know I'm not going to do anything crazy. Uh, but you know what, if I just, maybe I could win them to the Lord. But the Bible said this, to have no fellowship with darkness. He said, come out from the world and be you separate. He said, be you not unequally yoked together. And hey, look, we can witness to them. We can tell them about the Lord, but we do not have to yoke up with them because what happens is you'll find yourself out of place. 
out of place. How many times, how many times in 15 years? And, and, and let me just, I'll just say this. I can remember back 35 years pretty good. And I grew up in a pastor's home. And how many times over the past 35 years have I seen a young person that was in church, that was living for God, that was doing something for God, and they met somebody that was not in church, that was out of church, uh, uh, that probably was not even saved, uh, and they began to yoke up with them. And I've went to them, Brother Stan, and I said, I'm praying for you. I'm burdened about you. Things is not what it used to be. And here's what they say, Brother Matt. I'm going to change that person. And today, they didn't change that person. That person changed them. Uh, they're, out of, they're out of place. David was out of place. Being in the wrong place at the wrong time, David's out of place right here. He's out of place. I'll say something to you today. May God help us to not be out of place. May God help us. To, it's real easy. Boy, I, I feel like I'm, I, I'm preaching to a block wall this morning. It's real easy to get out of place. It's real easy to get comfortable. It's real easy to let our guard down. And before we know it, we'll find ourselves in the mess that David was in. Well, I was just trying to help them. I was just trying to help them. I understand, but there's still a line that has to be drawn. He's out of place. Watch this. David's not only out of place, but now David becomes out of fellowship with God. Why? Because he's out of place. Listen to what the Bible said. Verse number 3, And David sent and inquired of the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba? The daughter of Eliam, you study him out, that was one of David's friends. The wife of Uriah the Hittite, which was one of David's mighty men. One of David's mighty men. God sends a warning to David. God says, wait a minute. Somebody, who was the individual? I'm not sure who the individual was. But somebody says, hey, wait a minute, David. It was probably one of David's servants. That's who David probably sent to get her. Maybe one of those servants looks back at David. Says, wait a minute, David, you need to rethink this thing. Before you do what you're fixing to do, you better think about it. And David is so out of fellowship with God that he proceeds with what's going on in his life. You say, preacher, why is it important for me to stay in fellowship with God? Because of times just like this right here. Just like, can I say this to you this morning? Satan will lay a trap for us. Boy, he'll make that look good. You know what he'll do? You, you, and you and your spouse. If if you're if you're a man, you and your wife, because that's the way it's supposed to be. You can say man right there. You and your wife will get into an argument on Monday morning uh, because she spent too long in the bathroom trying to get ready, and you're running late for work, and it's always her fault. Well, brother Stan said, "Amen." Brother Roberts scared too, and 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 you'll leave upset. And you'll get down to the job place or you'll stop at the grocery store to get you some crackers and tuna to eat for lunch. And there'll be some Jezebel that'll bat their eyes the wrong way at you. And because you're out of place, you've now become out of fellowship with God. And things you said would never happen will end up happening if you're not careful. 
He's out of fellowship. He's out of fellowship. God sends a warning to David and David does not heed that warning. Boy, I thought back in the life of Samson. You remember the life of Samson. Samson goes down to Timnoth to take a wife of the Philistines and he wasn't supposed to do that. And we know she ends up destroying his life. But on his way down, he has that lion come out against him. And God give him the power to overcome that lion. But Samson and still did not heed the warning of God. Why? Because he's out of fellowship. He's out of fellowship. Watch this. I'm headed somewhere. David's out of place. David's out of fellowship. Now David becomes out of control. I'm headed to the very end of this. David becomes out of control. When you begin reading in verse number 6, David brings Uriah in or he brings Bathsheba in and personally it depends on who you read after uh, uh, and different things. But watch what David said in verse number 4. David sent a messenger and took her. Personally, I do not believe that Bathsheba conceded to this. I believe if you want to put it in our terms today, it was rape. David brings rape. He takes her. He didn't request of her. The Bible just told us right there. He took her. And if you'll study what happens right here and two chapters over, what happens with Amnon and Tamar, it's about the same thing. Think about this. David takes her. David is now out of control. He takes her. He brings her in. He sleeps with her. She becomes pregnant. He brings her husband in off the battlefield. He makes him drunk. He tries his best to get him to go in with his wife, but he won't. You know what David does? David sits down and writes a letter to Joab. And whenever you read this, you can see it when you get home. Read through this chapter. And here's what he says to him. He says, you take Amnon or you take Uriah and set him at the forefront of the hottest battle. And when the battle begins to rage, everybody retreat and leave Uriah standing at the forefront of the hottest. You know what? It was cold-blooded murder. That's all it was. It was cold blood and murder. Why? Because the man after God's own heart has become out of place, out of fellowship with God, and now he is out of control. How many times have you seen people and you said, man, I just would have never dreamed they would have ever done that. I'd have never thought I'd have got that phone call. I'd have never dreamed they would be into this or into that. There was a time that they was in church. They was faithful to the house of God and now they're doing those things. You want me to tell you what happened in their life? They got out of place. They got out of the church house. They got out of God's word and because they got out of place, they got out of fellowship with God and now they're out of control. How many times have you heard that statement made? They're just out of control. I don't know what to do. I've done everything that I know to do and they're out of control. I wonder if we could uh, if we could rewind time and we could sit in the servants' lounge at the palace. I wonder if there's not some chatter in the services and the servants' lounge about what's happening in David's life. I wonder what's wrong with David, man. I've never. 
seen him act like this. David's out of control. Can you believe what he's doing? Can you believe what's happening in his life? Hear me and hear me well. If it happened in the life of David, it can happen in your life. And it can happen in my life. He's out of control, man. He's out of control. Watch this. David, in chapter number 11, as you roll through chapter number 11, as you roll through chapter number 11, he brings Uriah in. He, he, try, he makes him drunk. He can't get him to sleep with, him, with his wife. He ends up having Uriah killed. Then David brings Uriah's wife in and marries her. Now he's out of touch with reality. David, it all started by just not being on the battlefield. It all started by, I'm just tired. Or I don't have to do that anymore. It all started with one, listen to me, one choice. One choice. That's where every bit of it started at. One choice. Just one, just one Brother Randy, one bad choice. And when he made that choice, God sent a warning his way. But David would not heed that warning that God sent him that day. And now it spiraled out of control. And now he's just completely out of touch with reality. I'll just bring her in and I'll marry her and everything will be just fine. But know what the Bible said in the last verse of chapter number 11. And when the morning was passed, David sent and fetched her to his house. She became his wife and, and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. David's out of touch with reality. Man, I just, they, they ain't nobody going to know this. Chapter number 12 rolls around. And when chapter number 12 rolls around, there's a man named Nathan comes on the scene. The prophet comes on the scene. If we would say it in our day, we would say it's the preacher. And the preacher uses a, if you want to use a New Testament term for it, a parable in the first few verses. He talks about this little ewe lamb and he comes down and he ends up confronting David. And in verse number 7, here's what he says. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Let me show you something. I preached all morning to get right here. David was out of place. David become out of fellowship with God. David then went out of control and got out of touch with reality. I mean, how many times you you? I guarantee you, if you've any age at all, much in this room. Somebody's running through your mind right now that you've seen this, this exact same that thing happen in their life. I remember, I remember Brother Randy back when we was going in the jail all the time, back when we very first started that. Back when we very first started that. I remember I went in the jail one day and there was a gentleman in there and you could tell that, and I don't mean this rude or crude, I'm just being honest, you could tell he was not the normal run of the mill in the jailhouse. He was very clean cut. 
And I walked up to her and I began to talk to him. And I said, hey man, I said, my name's Jonathan Barker. This is Josh Moose. And I said, we're coming around from Amazing Grace Baptist Church. We done a little Bible study with him. And I said, I'd love for you to come visit us at our church sometime. And he named off about five or ten people that came to this church. He said, I went to paramedic school with this one. I went to nursing school with this one. He just started naming them off. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. And Josh said, well, I, I worked for EMS. It's when he was still working here in the county. He said, I worked for our county EMS. And he began to talk about people that they had worked with. And the problem was he had got hooked on prescription medication. And he said, I went to church. I went faithful. I was part of my church. I had a great job. I worked at Forsyth Hospital. Let me tell you what happened. He just got out of place. He got out of place. He got to longing for something that the devil put a taste in his mouth for. And he got out of place. He got out of fellowship. He got out of control. And he even used these exact words. He said, you know, preacher, he said, before it was all said and done, he said, I was out of touch with reality because I didn't think nobody knew what I was doing and anybody would ever find out anything about it. He said, here I sit today looking at time in prison for it. Out of touch with reality. But the day come in David's life when Nathan confronted him and Nathan said, you're the man. And David ran out of excuses. He was out of excuses. He was out of excuses. And I'll tell you something, in our life, there's one or two things that we can do with sin when it comes up in our life. We can deal with it or we can cover it. I've told my kids many times. Matter of fact, me and Madeline had a little heart-to-heart the other day. She didn't do nothing wrong, but I was making sure she hadn't. <laughs> you parents know what I'm talking about. And, and, and I confronted her, and, and she, she didn't talk back in a bad way. She responded to my confrontation, and I confronted her again, and she responded. And then I looked back at her, and I said, You look me in my God-given eyeballs and tell me you ain't lying. And she looked me in my eyes and she told me. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you right now, if you are, all Hades is going to break loose around here. And I promise you I'll find out. She walked inside and she said, what is daddy so mad about? They're, they're, and, and she was right. She hadn't done nothing wrong, Brother Randy. But I was making sure. I was making sure. That's, our parent, that's what we're supposed to do. But there's times in our life when things come up. And I want you to hear me this morning, church. I don't know who I'm preaching to. I don't know if God's just warning. I don't know. I'm just obeying the Lord this morning. But the day will come that we'll be out of excuses. You can cover and cover and cover all you want to. But sin will find you out at the end of the day. David now runs out of excuses. David's confronted with his sin. David couldn't lie no more. David couldn't cheat no more. David couldn't kill nobody else. He could have. But David ends up saying, you're right. And I want you to go with me somewhere, okay? I want you to go with me to Psalms 32. This is different than I know I normally preach, but I'm trying my best to obey the Lord. 
in our life. I, I said this the other day. My mama used to say this. I, she would confront me about something. And I would say, how did you know that? And she would say, a little bird flew by and told me. I'm still hunting for that bird. I would still shoot that bird if I could find that bird. Because that bird caused me a lot of grief and a lot of stripes. Anybody know what I mean right there? A lot of stripes. Brother Matt said that he decided to run one time in church. He was a kid. He said his dad jerked him up and took him outside and had a talk with him. And he decided he'd never run. He said, I'm scared to even walk fast in church. That's the reason he comes in late every Sunday morning. He get, he's got PTSD. I want you to hear me this morning. Sin will come home to us. And when it comes back to us, it's up to us what we do with it at that point. It's up to us. God will warn us. God will chastise us. And then it's up to us how we respond to it. God, God warned David and he continued in that sin. Then God chastised David because that baby that Bathsheba was going to have, she had that baby and that baby died in chapter number 12. And the Bible said this in chapter number 12 of 2 Samuel, that the sword never departed from David's house. Matter of fact, chapter 13, if I'm not mistaken, it's where Amnon, the son of David, rapes Tamar, the daughter of David. Then his other son, ends up killing Amnon for that. And on and on the spiral goes in David's life. But David is confronted and David has a decision to make. There's seven or eight psalms of confessions in psalms. Psalms 32 is one of those and David is reflecting back on the story I just told you. Look what your Bible said in verse number 5. The Bible said this, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. And then that little word that we find throughout Psalms follows that, Selah. It was a musician's term and a, and, and a term used in poetry. And here's what that little word means. Just stop now for a while and think about it. So when we stop and think about it, here's what David said. I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. You know what David said? David said, yes, I did mess up. David said, yes, I did find myself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Out of place, out of touch with reality, out of fellowship with God, out of control. But there came a day that I was out of excuses. And when that day came... Oh, I run to a holy God. And when I got to that holy God, I confessed my sins before that holy God. And He was standing there in loving kindness that day and forgave me of my sins. Go with me to Psalms 38. 
Psalms 38, it's another psalm of confession. Look what he said in verse number 17. He said, For I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. David came to the place where he said, Lord, I've done all. I'm done. I'm ready to halt. I'm tired of living the life that I'm living. I'm tired of living the lie that I'm living. You know, a lot of people's real good at living lies. I'm tired of living the lie that I'm living. Will you come start playing softly? You know, you may have walked in here today. And you've got all of us thinking, man, you've got it under control and everything's just fine. And, and man, it's a kuna matata. But can I tell you something? God knows what's deep down inside. David may have had the whole nation of Israel fooled into thinking that he was all right and everything was okay. But when the man of God confronted his sin that day and said, Thou art the man, David had a choice that he was going to have to make. And David could have continued in his sin or David could turn to God. And you know what David said? David said, Lord, here I stand and I'm ready to halt. I'm ready to stop living the lie that I'm living and the life that I'm living. I'm ready to stop going down that. Lord, I'm ready to halt. I'm ready to halt. Go with me one more place. Psalms 51. It's another psalm of confession. The Bible said this in Psalms 51. I know I'm preaching different than I normally do, but the Bible said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts. Thou make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin and blot out all mine iniquity. Watch this. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Look at verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. David says, Lord, I sure have made a mess of this thing called life. But as I come back before you right now, there's one thing that I desire, and that's for you to restore unto me the joy, not of my salvation. He said of thy salvation, because salvation is not in me, it's in Christ, in Christ alone. It's in Christ. He said, Lord, my life is a mess. And I just want you to restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Look what he says next. 
Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Now I'm going to stop reading right there. But you know what he said? David, this is so practical, but man, I'm telling you, it's just what the Lord told me to preach today. David says, Lord, I've made a mess out of my life. I've made a mess. I've made, can I say it in our terms, I've made a gum of my life. But God, I know there was a day that I asked you to come into my heart and save me. So I'm saved. Once saved, always saved. That's one of the plainest doctrines taught throughout the Word of God. You said, Preacher, I don't understand all that. I'll be glad to sit down and take you the Word of God and walk you through the Word of God. The verse I just read to you, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David never sought salvation again. He never asked God to save him again. He said, Restore unto me that joy, Brother Joe. He said, My fellowship has been broken with you because I was at the wrong place at the wrong time and I was out of place and I fell into sin and now that fellowship's broken. So Lord, will you restore that? And you know what God done in the life of David? God restored that. Now watch what he says. So that I may teach others thy way. You know what God has for your life this morning? God has you teaching others His way. You say, Preacher, I can never stand before a Sunday school class. Nobody asks you to stand before a Sunday school class. You know what? You can teach others His way by the life in which we live. Just living a holy life. Just saying, praying for you. Here's a brochure from a church. Come see us sometime. And the way that David got back to the place where he needed to be with God, David had to come to the realization that he had messed up. You'll never get fixed up until you admit that you messed up. You'll never get fixed up until you admit that you messed up. That you messed up. Preacher, you know, if I tell you everything, don't tell me everything you did. I promise you I'm not going to tell you everything I've done. That's between you and God. We're, we're I don't think this ugly. We're not Catholic. Uh, you don't have to come to me and, 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 and tell me everything you've done and leave some money. If you want to come to me and leave some money, that'd be fine, but you don't have to tell me everything you've done. We take it to God. We put it at the feet of Christ. We allow it to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. And when we do that, there's a God that forgives us. There's a God that will wash that away. There's a God that will take our life and use our life to teach others His way. But we'll never get to that point if we're out of place. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you really where you need to be with the Lord? Was there a time in your life that, man, you was closer to God than what you are now? Was there a time that you read your Bible more than you? I I don't believe in progressional backsliding. You're either right with God or you're not right with God. That's just all there is. You're either serving God or you're not. You can come to church and not serve God. 
You can sit on a church pew and not be right with God. Was there ever a time that you long more for the things of God than you do right now? Can I say something? If there was, then you're out of place. You're out of place. But I got good news. There's a God that if you'll halt and you'll turn back to Him, there's a God that'll forgive you and there's a God that'll restore joy into your life. You don't have to live miserable. There's a God that'll forgive you. Just simply being in the wrong place at the wrong time sure cost David a lot in his life, didn't it? Sure cost David a lot. But God still loved him. And God still forgave him. I, I, I had an individual, and I never call no names. I promise you I'm done. But I had an individual that said this. One of my biggest struggles was forgiving myself for what I had done. I want you to hear me this morning. If God can forgive you, then you can forgive yourself. If the, the creator of the world, if the creator of the world can say, I love you and forgive you, there's a lot of people that never go no further with God because they never forgive their self for what they've done. But there's a God that's forgive you. Forgive yourself and allow Him to use you to teach others His way.